Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Five Things Podcast. The crew is back together again. I feel full power right now as we take this journey together. So with me, we have Amanda Davis. Hello, Amanda Davis. Hi, Kenny. So great to be back together. Whoop, whoop. And we have Beth Rolfs. Welcome back, Beth. Thanks. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Amanda. Glad you're back. We really missed each other. Before we dive into the five things, if you enjoy this podcast, which I know all of you do, there's some other fun podcasts coming out of the Gray family. You should check out Gray Matter on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We have a ton of amazing episodes that are worth giving a listen to. This year, we had Diamond Dallas Page, George Dawes Green, the founders of Unsplash, and many, many more. We really hope you give it a listen. And if you're just into the five things, then just listen to the five things. But, you know, more is more. So give them a listen. With that, let's dive in to the five things. We'll kick it off with a bit about TikTok winning their injunction against the White House. Woohoo! We're going to talk about YouTube adding new features for the election, which at the time of this recording feels like a year ago, but was a mere 48 hours ago. Amanda will tell us about Instagram disabling the recent tab. We'll talk about Snapchat adding the 3D body scan. Interesting. And then Beth will take us home to a meeting of the minds, TikTok partnering with Shopify. What does that mean? All right, with that, let's dive on in. TikTok won their injunction against the White House. This is a big deal. So we've been talking about this for what feels like forever. It's really been a couple of months, um, but it's unbelievable. It's interesting. Uh, and now we are you know, past the election, and this is going to continue to be a very interesting battle between TikTok and the U.S. government. This injunction allows TikTok's U.S. operations to stay open. Uh, past mid-November, which was the next milestone in uh, the White House's attempt to shut down TikTok. And uh, for whatever reason, whether it's the fear of the youth or the fear of the Chinese, whatever delusion the president had about what was wrong with TikTok, uh, it seems like the court system is doing what it's supposed to do, which is protecting those who are on the right side of justice. So with that, Let's talk about it. What do we think, Amanda and Beth? I mean, this is an exciting update. And like you said, it's just kind of rare that, you know, this in this story, you have the the almost normal, um, correct line of, of justice, I guess you could say, or process to, to talk about this um, in a way. And I think we've been talking about it too. It's not really just about TikTok. It's about security and privacy in our social platforms all over. So I just, this is a nice, it's weird that it's surprising and it's just, it's the right way to, you know, approach the subject that's not coming out of personal interest or fear mongering or making it something larger or scarier or more intense than it should be. So refreshing, I guess. Yeah, I think um, refreshing and a nice restoration of the faith in our legal system. I think it's also a, it kind of puts a stake in the ground about um, 
you know, our government and this administration's ability to uh, do these sorts of things and to intervene in uh, social platforms and the businesses of social platforms. So I think it's a positive um, step in the right direction. And I'm looking forward to seeing kind of the next of the story unfold. It's also kind of funny that we spent the whole summer, or not we, but I, I think a lot of marketers probably spent the whole summer toggling, should we be worried about TikTok? Should we pull it? Should we get into it? Should we not? Should we stay away? And it's just, you know, that lesson of like, you know, be patient, f- understand what's going on and how it impacts, you know, your your media and your your social presence. I, I think, you know, the advertisers that stayed on TikTok and kind of really had a strong presence there, you know, they, they will continue to because they didn't necessarily, you know, run, run or kind of react strongly. So I just think it's a it's a promising kind of next step for that platform as it relates to they've, they've been really doing a great job with with marketing and, and the way that they work with their consumers. So I'm excited to see how this continues. Absolutely. I think it's going to be very interesting. And the more we do with TikTok, the more we see they are committed to just being a great channel for creators. And it would really stink to not allow them to to operate in the US when it means, you know, we don't get all that great content, which we love. Uh, So Beth, tell us a little bit about YouTube adding new features around election day. Yeah, so YouTube took the step that a lot of the social platforms took around the election, and they added a show me US elections um, prompt that would show up at the top of the screen, whether you're on your mobile phone or desktop. Um, And they've also, while that was very helpful to get information about the election, now that we're watching the election unfold at the time of this podcast, you can also watch um, the poll results updating on YouTube. And I think what's really interesting about this isn't necessarily that they just did it. Um, it's more to me the acknowledgement from TikTok that they do play a role in driving people down kind of the conspiracy theory path. And um, in in doing this, they've also come out and acknowledged that they're working on their algorithm that pushes people down kind of those rabbit holes of similar content that reinforces certain narratives. Um, So I think that coupled with this commitment to make sure that accurate information is being served to their users, which um, I don't know about you guys, but I know some people in certain circles that I know now only go to YouTube to get information. So they are definitely a place that people are going for information and they're definitely making an attempt to have accurate information readily available to users in the platform. What do you guys think? Exactly. You're exactly right. And I I think it's also, you know, we're again, we're in the election right now as we record this. So it's just constant inundation of news and information. I'm personally like I don't have cable. I don't I'm a cord cutter. I got my streaming services. So I did turn to YouTube to kind of understand, you know, what's the latest from, you know, all kinds of different, you know, reporting platforms. So I think it's not only them acknowledging that, you know, they play a role in how information is shared and consumed, but also like over the last decade, YouTube's really been trying to figure out what their 
their places? Like, are, are they, you know, a content platform? Are they an entertainment network? Are they a place, you know, a destination for news and information? And I think on election day, and, and I, I'm curious if you guys agree, like I, I saw a lot of YouTube kind of shares and links and videos, um, as well as consume them myself. So it's just a little bit, and I'm not like a huge YouTube, like everyday kind of person. Um, but this was a moment in which it, it did play a really pivotal role in how I'm, I'm currently still receiving information that I would not expect. I think you and a lot of people, it also is an interesting step for them, I think, in helping to define what they are and what they're going to be going forward. This coupled with their ability to shop in video now, like I think they're really they're progressing as a business and we can see that in a lot of their actions. So true. I, I you know, I, I'm just, it's getting so tough to know where to go, when to go there, what's accurate, what's not accurate, you know? And I think everybody's just trying to do more and more and more. We're sitting around we're consuming as much as we can. And I think, you know, it makes sense for it to live on YouTube and to be accurate and thoughtful. You know, it's like, it's a place we go where we trust the information. So I'll be curious to see how this evolves beyond election day and what this means for other key temple moments for um, society. With that, something equally as important. Instagram got rid of the recent tab. Amanda, what happened? So this week, um, Mark Zuckerberg announced that Instagram was going to get rid of the recent tab in the hashtag section of Instagram. So if you go to type in, for instance, election or Trump, um, you can either click top, which will obviously show you the most popular posts that use that hashtag, or you can click recent, which of course would be the most recent. Um, and, And gearing up for the election, they decided to remove that recent tab knowing and again same same thing that we saw a little bit with youtube and acknowledging that the share of information the real time kind of responsiveness and and spread of information and disinformation is something that they haven't necessarily had a grasp on and and helped move into the right direction so this was an i'll be honest a little bit of a, a late feature change. I think a couple of days before the election is maybe not the right way to do that, given that, what, 90 million people or something voted in the last month. Um, I mean, the right thing to do, smart, um, helps, you know, control the spread of information. Did it help on, you know, the 48 hours and now we're going on, what, 72 hours? I I don't know if this is the time that it needed to happen. It would have been great to see that about a month ago. and again, I don't know if the recent tab necessarily provides a lot as a user, but I will say, before I, I want to hear what you guys think, I was missing the recent tab because I really wanted to keep up with the Nevada memes today on Thursday, <laughs> and they're, I'm finding a lot of enjoyment there. Um, I am always a recent person. I love recent. I want to know what I want. I don't Interesting. I've like, even back in the day when I actually went on Facebook, I would always do it by for recent. Like I would make it recent. For your friends though, not for hashtags. For everything. I want to know the most recent thing. I don't want to, I don't want to sit around and see the biggest ones. I want to see the latest ones. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Kenny. I actually, I love the recent tab. And I think the problem with getting rid of that is 
you're almost then giving a bigger voice and sometimes the only voice to people that have those engagements. And I'm just thinking like earlier in the year to the Proud Boys, like how there was a whole gay community that kind of took that hashtag for themselves. Would you have seen that in the top? Would that have caught on? Like, I think, I think oh there is God. power in the recent tab and being able to like watch things evolve and it be is part of so, things that are evolving. It is so transparent. I will save the course language so that Joey doesn't have to worry about beep. <laughs> Joey, our intrepid producer, does not need to worry about beeping it out. But this is designed to make influencers have more influence, create more branded activity and influencer activity on the channel, and drive more, wait for it, paid media. Ding, ding, ding. It's an ad <laughs> network. It doesn't matter what you think or what you do. That is what this is. And frankly, I, it seems very transparent to me. I don't think that recent button was bothering anybody. <laughs> it's also the timing of it too. And it's like to, to kill the recent button on a couple of days before the biggest election that our country's ever seen and everybody early votes. Like what is, what do you really don't pretend that that has an appropriate, you know, control over misinformation. Cause it doesn't. No. And if we talk about this for much longer, you're going <laughs> to feel steam exit through your earphones. And, and it, it just is, so annoying to me. I'm free the recent button, people. Let's get it back. <laughs> yeah, guys, we can protest. Yes, we sure. should protest. Is what we sure. should do. And I, I, I will say another piece of this information after the recent, the recent button um, news came out is that I found this pretty interesting, and I'm not, you know, I don't know if anyone's super clear on what it means, but Facebook also tacked onto that and said they're going to ban all political ads indefinitely after the election. So one might ask a couple of questions. What, how, what are ads, you know, doing? What are political ads really targeting after the election? Why are you doing it afterwards and you didn't do it before? There's a lot of, a little bit of Pandora's box to open here with that. Um, that. So I think, uh, I know you guys might find this hard to believe, but we might still be talking about Facebook for the next couple of weeks or months. Who's running this place? <laughs> what is Seriously. Wait, so they, would they ban political ads forever like forever that is the language that they used um yeah and and i think i i think that their intention for saying that was that was about when we didn't or when and while we still don't know when the count will be completed i think that their intention for saying that was during the counting phase they wouldn't kind of add to it with political advertisements um and and putting paid media behind it um but to your point and both of you guys' points, like to say you're banning political ads forever is a weird little thing to slip under the uh, <laughs> the message there. So I'm very curious to see how they, they build on that um, post. Yeah, post that'll be interesting. Week. All right. More to come. More to come. <laughs> Honestly, this feels more. The next thing of our five things just feels so much more important which is that Snapchat added 3D body scans. And that headline's a little deceiving because they've already had 3D body scans. But honestly, this is so dope. There are 10 new 3D body scan lenses. Uh, there's skeletons. There's more hot dogs. There's 
it scans more joints, which allows for it to be more of a fluid 3D body scan. It is so cool. We talked about this, I believe it was last time with Juliana when she was on, Beth, about that you can like scan the dog and it can tell you what breed it has and all of the other amazing features that Snap is building. It is so sick. I am obsessed with Snap right now. I think they are such a cool network. If you are not on Snap, what are you doing? It is having a resurgence. It is the best friends network. The camera is high powered. We are talking the grease lightning of social media cameras. Um, It is just an incredible, incredible thing. And when brands start to get on board and learn how to use this to drive brand equity, I think it's going to get even stronger. I know Tim Hortons is using it up in Canada. There's, you know, we're talking about it for some of our brands here within lovely gray towers, virtual gray towers. Um, But, you know, this is an unbelievable development. I think the stronger that the AR technology gets, the stronger the body scan technology gets, the better we're going to be able to merge together the real world and the digital world and bring in this era of mixed reality that I think is really special uh, for the type of content we want to create. Amanda Davis, you are literally jumping through the microphone to get in on this conversation. So let's hear it. (laughs) I forgot you guys could see me. Um, No, I agree. And I'm going to be a little dramatic is like, this really, to me, feels like the beginning of Snapchat almost transcending social media and and actually truly becoming, you know, a technology first company. And I think, you know, while this is being announced on on the heels of a lot of, you know, new gaming consoles, Oculus, you know, what is AR and VR? How do people partake in that? That barrier has been so high that that no one's really been able to to bring it to every home. Um, and this is just such an easy you know, it, it'll slope into everyday use of AR and VR. And that mm-hmm. is something that no one candidly has really been able to figure out. And that it's just the start of something really big. And, you know, I, I remember back in the day when like advertising started to take advantage of not take advantage, but show up on Snapchat and like how awkward it kind of was. And now imagine like being able to try on clothes write an app and buy and like the real world application of AR that would like authentically exist in the app and not feel forced. And I'm with you, Amanda. I think this is like, this is huge for them. And I, I love that they're doubling down on computer vision and AR and technology that feels so just genuine and authentic to snap and like, something that no one has really been able to crack, but I think they're going to do it. They're doing it. They are doing it. Yeah. It's going to be social media is a bad word. (laughs) And we have been say we have been moving in this direction for, for months now. And we've been saying it, we, people say in different ways, capital S social versus lowercase S social and blah, 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 blah. What we are talking about here is the evolution of connected communities. These tools that these networks are building allow for people to connect with one another and with brands and with other entities in a more meaningful and creative way. It, ju- it is that simple. And I think that if you, are a, if you are an apparel brand, to your point, Beth, if you are an accessory brand, if you are 
an entertainment brand, your ability to layer augmented reality on top of the real world in in more pristine settings will make for a better app experience. I think Snap is the network of the future. I think Pinterest is right on its heels. There's another network that we talk a lot about here on the five things, which is TikTok, which we're going to talk about that after this. But you know, I think Snap is really putting their stake in the ground. They are who they are and they don't try to be anyone else. And if anything, the big dogs try to be them. Yeah. And not very well, frankly. I do wonder, and I should probably know this, but what one of the things that's been challenging about Snap from like a advertising perspective is getting data on the success of anything you've put on the platform and like really who you're reaching and kind of that deep user data. I would be interested to see if that's something that is going to. They've evolved that. Like yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about what campaign in particular because that's not something we would share with the with the general public. But we've run campaigns on the channel, and frankly, the user data in terms of like usage, engagement, demographic, geography, etc., was far more intuitive than some of the other major networks that we deal with. Right. So I stand corrected. Yeah. I mean, not to outdate the data guru, but like. <laughs> We're talking. I'm actually pretty. Uh, if you are not using Snap right now, are you even living? Um, no. <laughs> uh, but like, now's the time. Download it. Get with it. It's all in one. You can yeah. consume. You can share. You can chat. You can. The map feature is kind of cool to see if people are nearby. Like, it's got it going. And with that. Speaking of channels making moves in the right direction, TikTok, Shopify, Beth. TikTok is partnering with Shopify, which I think if we go all the way back to our first thing on the Five Things podcast today, they clearly are not worried about not being a business that's going to exist because they're, you know, partnering. They're now um, partnering with Shopify, and as you can imagine, what that means is that they are expanding their in-app shopping feature. Um, part of this effort will also be the ability to install a TikTok pixel on any ad content, so not only will um, advertisers be able to track engagement with their TikTok content, but they'll also be able to track user action um, in browser pages and kind of better understand that user behavior. So there's a part of me that's like, welcome to the dark side, TikTok, um, but also good for them. And I think what will be really interesting from a advertiser perspective is to see what um, TikTok ends up, or what, sorry, what advertisers end up doing with content. So the content needs to be native. It needs to show up in the platform in a way that's really um, resonates with the audience that is on um, TikTok. And so that'll be, I'm really excited to see what that content looks like. And then in addition to that, you, advertisers will also be able to use some of the more sophisticated targeting 
that TikTok has an app to make sure that their product is really truly reaching the users that they know love their products. So I think it's great. This is the biggest um this is the biggest knock on the platform right now. Is that mm-hmm. it feels very it feels very insular. It doesn't feel like it can drive true brand goals. It's got all the pieces of like uh all frivolous just mini content without any backing. The minute Shopify gets in the middle of this and this thing starts driving sales, look out, look out, stare up in the sky because it's going to fly. Um, and and you are talking about uh, a channel that is designed for people to engage with an asset on repeat over and over and over again. The average person watches a video seven to 10 times to nail a dance or an action or a song. The amount of brand messaging that you can drive in there that leads to sale if I am if I am a brand and I'm working with a Charlie D'Amelio to sell product to 14-year-old girls across the United States and there's a Shopify integration that allows for direct sales from content, oh boy. <laughs> You're buying it. Kenny's buying it then. I mean, am I wrong? No, and I think – so I'm going to say something funny. I mean, to be very honest, Instagram – has crushed the e-com game very well. And I think that what you see in that, like in 30 seconds, you could see something on someone, you could read the product description, you could find your size, you check out and you've purchased it. I've done it multiple times. And I think shortening that lead time, shortening that navigation, getting out, like staying in the platform, all of those features, I I will say Instagram has, has done quite well. Um, And I think there, there's no, to your point, Kenny, like that was the only kind of, I, I think, opportunity for for them to close that funnel a little bit tighter. And I think this will only see like a, a lot of very direct success. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about this. I'm also very worried for myself. I'm a avid Instagram shopper. <laughs> I'm so easily got. If you feel the urge to shop, just send me a DM and I'll tell you to stop. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Thanks, send me Kenny. a DM and I'll be like, you should absolutely buy it. You need Don't that. listen to her. Treat yourself. That's um, it. Yeah. Angel devil. Yeah. <laughs> treat yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, there's another way to treat yourself by taking our listener survey because you take the listener survey, we get smarter and we get better. And then we make content that you like more. All right. How about that transition? That's what we called it. That the biz. was lovely. <laughs> That's what we called in the biz right there. All right, everyone. Another week has come and gone. Those are five things that are happening in the social and digital space. We really hope you enjoyed them. And we really hope you enjoyed this podcast on the whole. We really love that you listen. If you have something you want to tell us, please email us. Podcasts at grade.com. That's podcasts at grade.com. If you voted, thank you. If you didn't, there's always next time. This one really mattered, but you know, there's always next time. (laughs) And hopefully by the time this podcast airs, we'll know who the next president of the United States will be. With that, I want to say thank you to Amanda. I want to say thank you to Beth. I want to say thank you to all of you. And at the end of it all, just stay safe, stay smart, and stay social. The Five Things are written and researched by Andrew Petty and Grace McDougall. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency 
whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com. The best part of this was pretending we haven't been living in a nightmare this week. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> oh. It's... Uh. <laughs>